from Covenant Life Fellowship. For more information about our church and to stay up to date on all sermons, events, and news, please visit our website at www.clfroseburg.com. All right, let's open our Bibles. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to go to the book of Romans chapter 6. So what we're going to be this morning. So if you're new with us, we have been in a study of the book of Romans and Romans chapters 5 through 8 in particular, where we have been talking about what it means to be united with Christ. And our burden really for this and our desire for the series is that we as Christians would understand what our identity is in Christ and what it means even when we say that we're a Christian. What does it mean to our past? What does it mean to our present? And also what it means for our future. And what we've seen so far has been nothing short of amazing. We have seen that when we believe and trust in Jesus's life, death and resurrection on our behalf, that our relationship with God changes forever, that we're made right with God. We are forgiven for of all of our sins. We have been given peace with God. We have were given access to God. And we saw last week how that this whole this whole interaction with God through Jesus is possible. We saw that Jesus, our representative before God, stood before us and, and went before us and lived a righteous, perfect life. And God, in his kindness, accredited Jesus' righteousness to us. And God did this because Adam, who was our first father, the very first created human, failed miserably. Adam sinned and rebelled against God. And because of that, God accredited Adam's sin to all of us as humans. And every human in the world has been born in sin and rebellion against God. And none of us has what it takes to make ourselves right with God and be at peace with God in and of ourselves. But Jesus, who is our last representative before God, was perfect in every way. And he perfectly obeyed God. He died in our place to pay for the eternal consequences of our sin. And when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, by the grace of God, God accredits Jesus's righteousness to us so that our sin is no longer held over our head anymore before God. And last week we saw that Jesus is superior to Adam in every way, didn't we? We saw that he's a superior representative to Adam. We saw that Jesus, Jesus' work conquers Adam's work. We saw that God's grace is greater than all our sin. Because where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. And what we've seen so far in Romans, in summary, has been this. That we are made right with God by the free gift of God of him giving us Christ's righteousness to us, so that when God relates to us, he relates to us on the basis of Jesus and not us, which is really good news. Our access to God and our peace with God is an act of God's grace alone, and we are saved by grace alone. And God's grace is greater than all our sin. Now today we're going to talk about the effect that God's grace has on our daily lives. So I want you to stand with me. Let's read Romans 6, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll pray after we're done reading. Now we stand at CLF to read God's word because we believe it's inspired. It's worthy of our honor. And so this is the reading of God's word from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died once, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. For since you are not under law, but you're under grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that it's inspired and God-breathed and true. And I pray that you would take the truths of this passage and the truth of the Bible that we're going to talk about this morning and help us to see clearly that Jesus has conquered the power and penalty of sin so that we might truly walk in a brand new way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we dive into this passage, there are a few things that I think we need to understand before we jump in. And the first one is we must recognize that before we believe in Jesus, every human in the world is spiritually dead. We read that this morning. Dan did a great job of introducing to us Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And in that, the beginning of those verses, you'll remember him saying that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. This means that we cannot please God. We are dominated by the power of sin, and we're under the penalty of sin. We don't have any spiritual life within us toward God because we're dead in our trespasses and sins outside of Christ. You're also going to notice that in the Bible, there's this term for our sinful nature that is used, and it's called the old man or the old self. That is usually described or talked about as the, as a, as a, a dead, a dead person who is void of any spiritual life. It is the old man who is under the mastery or the dominion of sin. And it's why sin comes so naturally to each of us. We sin easily every day. And the last thing I want you to notice when you look at the book of Romans and you look at Romans chapter six, you're going to notice that Romans six is answering a very fundamental question. And here's the question that it actually starts with in verse one. And you can see that in your Bibles. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? It really seems like an odd question. Like, so you're telling me that I can continue to sin so I can keep getting more grace. And what Paul is referencing is what he's been discussing in Romans chapter five. Which basically is this, if we've been made right with God through the righteousness of Christ, and it has nothing to do with our performance or our work, but solely an act of God's grace, do we need to change how we live? Or do we just keep on sinning so we can get more grace from God? If God's grace is truly greater than our sin, 
Is it okay if I just keep on living like I've always lived and just keep sinning before God so that I know I might get more grace before God? And you're going to notice Paul has an answer to this in verse 1. He says, by no means. Or another way to put it is, God forbid, or to put it in, in a Dave York vernacular that I might use on the baseball field, are you kidding me? There's no way that would possibly happen. If we've been made right with God by the free gift of Christ's righteousness through God's grace, this means, according to Paul in Romans 6, we have died to sin, and if we've died to sin, we don't have to keep living in sin. Now, you're going to notice something in verses 2 through 4 that Paul does is fascinating, is he uses an example of baptism. Now, we just had a baptism here recently, and we always talk about baptism because baptism is a portrait of what has happened to the Christian. We are buried with Christ, and then we are raised with Christ to walk in a brand new way. See, Romans 6 is answering a very needed and important question. And here's the question. Can Christians who claim Christ as their Savior and their representative before God continue to live in sin because God's grace alone saves them? Can they continue to do that? And Paul's answer to this is emphatically, no, they can't and they shouldn't because if Christians are represented by Christ before God, in Christ, they have died to sin and they've been raised to live in a brand new way. So here's the question. If we claim Jesus is our representative before God and we believe that God's grace changes us, how does that change us? And why does it change us? If we are to change the way we live, then how and why are we to change the way we live? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So here's the question for you, right? So most of us here probably claim to be Christians. But I bet if I were to spend time with you, which I do with many of you, I hear you talk about your daily battle and your struggle against your own personal sin. It could be an issue of anger. It could be an issue of impatience. It could be wanting to be a better parent, and you find yourself losing your gourd when you've said to your kids, I've said this a thousand times, would you please stop? This passage shows us something that's powerful. It shows us how to change. It shows us why we can change, and it shows us how we can stop doing those very things. But there also may be some of you here that you've come because we have church at the park and it sounds like a great idea and you don't claim the name of Jesus at all. And we're really glad you're with us. But maybe you've asked some questions about yourself. Maybe you've said, there's some personal demons I just can't get over. Maybe there's personal things like addictions or lust or jealousy that you just cannot get in, you just cannot get out of the enslavement from. Well, this passage that we're going to talk about this morning shows you why you are enslaved. And here's what I hope we're going to learn today from this passage. If you got your little pamphlet, you'll notice at the top of the outline, there is a big idea. And here's the big idea. Our union with Christ means that we died to sin with Christ, and we are raised to live in a brand new way with Christ. Sin no longer has power over us. I'm going to read it again. Our union with Christ means that if we died to sin with Christ, and we are raised to live in a brand new way with Christ, Sin no longer has power over us. Now, as a Christian, here's what we basically believe. We basically believe that there is a holy God, that we sinned against this holy God. And in our sin, God has declared that the payment for our sin is death. We deserve eternal wrath and eternal judgment. 
But God in his kindness sent his son Jesus to live perfectly, die in our place, rise again from the dead, and is now ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we believe that when we believe in Christ, we are forgiven of our sin, and we're made right with God, and we have access to God as our Father. And every moment of every day, we have access to God. He's our Father. But the question that many Christians don't understand or don't connect is, how does forgiveness of sin and being made right with God help me right now overcome my own personal sin? That's what Romans 6 and Romans 7 is going to help us with. So let's look at our first point that you're going to notice in your outline, that our union with Christ means that we died to sin's power and penalty. Now, as I mentioned already, Paul has already answered the question. If we believe in Jesus and God gives us Jesus' righteousness as a free gift, that is not a license for us to keep on sinning and doing our own thing. So most of us know that moment in our life. I'll just go ahead and sin and ask for forgiveness later. What Paul is saying is that's not the way Christians really need to live. And the reason we don't live that way is because if we have died to sin, we've been raised to live in a brand new way. And in verses 5 through 14, you're going to notice how Paul explains why and how. How can a Christian be dead to sin? Because don't you feel like you're alive to sin every day? And how can a Christian have the ability to live differently? Because why does it feel like you're not living differently? So let's look at one side of this first, which means, which is being united with Christ in his death. Notice how often Paul puts this in the text. Verse 5, if we've been united with him, that's Christ, in a death like his, Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him. Verse 8, if we have died with Christ. Now you notice what Paul is saying here. He's saying that in some mysterious, some mystical, some real spiritual way, those who are connected to Christ have died with Christ. What Paul is introducing us here is to the idea of what it means to be united with Christ or to be in union with Christ. Meaning, when we believe in Christ, God sees us as connected to Christ. All the benefits of our relationship with God, every benefit that you and I have in our relationship with God comes through our union with Jesus. Peace with God, access to God. God's care for us, the love of God filling our hearts, eternal life in the future, all are from our union with Jesus Christ. And in these verses, we read about our union with Christ in a death like his, or our old self being crucified with him, or that our, that we have died with Christ. This is a real, spiritual, yet mystical way That God sees us connected with Christ in his life and his death. When we're united with Christ, God treats us and relates with us on the basis of Christ as if we had died with Christ, even though we were not physically there 2,000 years ago. Before God, we are united with Christ in his death. And this union with Christ in his death, means something. It means that sin no longer has power over us. Notice verses 6 and 7. Our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body of sin would be brought to nothing, which means that because we died with Christ to sin, 
We are set free from sin's power. And verse 10 makes this very clear. The death Christ died. Remember that death that we're united with him with in. He died to sin once for all. And by our union with Christ in his death, we died to that. We died to sin as well once for all. See, Jesus died to deal with the power and dominion of sin. Because all of us are born with sin's dominance hanging over our lives, we must be freed from sin's power, and we don't have the ability to do that. No no self-help book is going to help you be better at dominating sin. We don't have that ability. That's why Christ's life and death are so remarkably important to us as humans. Because we feel sin's weight every day. We come from the womb speaking lies. We don't have to teach our children to, to, to fight. They do that very naturally. Sinning comes as natural to us as breathing. We feel sin's power when we live for ourselves, for our own agendas, and for our own kingdoms. Sin feels like an irresistible force because it is outside of Christ. But in our union with Christ... When we trust in Jesus as our righteous representative before God, listen clearly, sin has lost its power and dominion because when Christ died, so did our old sinful man. Sin's power went to the grave with Christ. But there's another aspect of Jesus dealing with sin in the text that I want you to notice briefly. Because in being united with Christ in his death... We're also freed from sin's penalty. Notice verse 5 again with me. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, while the entire passage is about our daily battle with sin, verse 5 tells us there's a future benefit of being united with Christ. See, if we're united with Christ in his death, we will most certainly be united with Christ in his physical bodily resurrection. For the Christian, there is coming a day when this, this material body will one day be transformed. And those of you that woke up this morning with aches and pains in your back, you're thanking God for that. Those of you that went to the doctor last week and they gave you a bad diagnosis, you're thanking God that this body will one day be transformed. See, sin's penalty hanging over us outside of Christ is that we face God's judgment. Outside of Christ, we will be raised, but we'll be raised to an eternity outside of God's grace, mercy, and love, and inside of the realm of God's justice and God's wrath. But listen, in our union with Christ, if we're a child of God, you will never face that judgment. And verse 9 says this to you very clearly. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Why? Because death no longer has dominion over him. This means that the penalty of sin has been paid for by Christ. And for the Christian who's united with Christ, death also no longer has dominion over us. And the grave has certainly lost its sting. So you've got the power and the penalty of sin, both addressed by Christ and by our union with Christ, both have lost their power hanging over us. So here's what we've seen so far. We've seen that in our union with Christ, we've died with Christ to sin's power so that we don't have to keep giving in to our pet sins. 
We don't have to keep giving in to sin's power because sin's power has been defeated. In our union with Christ, sin's penalty has been defeated and removed. Listen, sin as a Christian might disrupt our fellowship with God and have some earthly consequences. But listen clearly, it doesn't break our eternal relationship with God or make us lose God's grace. John Piper put it like this, and this quote is in your notes. He said, there's a union between Christ and Christians so that what happens to Christ is counted by God as happening to us. His death is our death. So that's point one. Let's look at point two. Our union with Christ means that we are raised to live in a brand new way. And again, you'll see this clearly throughout the text. Notice verse four. We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse eight. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Christ. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And what Paul does here is fascinating. He not only tells us why we don't have to keep on sinning the same way that we've always done, because we're united with Christ in his death. But he tells us that because we're united with Christ in his resurrection, we're raised with Christ to live in a brand new way, which is to live with Christ and to live for God. See, because before trusting in Jesus, remember that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We have no spiritual life in us at all. But after we trust in Jesus... And after we believe in God's grace alone that saves us, we are raised to brand new spiritual life. And Paul makes this very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he wrote these words. Jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Do you, you see it? We no longer live for ourselves because we're living for the one who died and was raised. And we can live for him because we've been raised with Jesus to live in a brand new way. Our old man went to the grave and a brand new man was raised. But then Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says this, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, The new has come. See, do you see it? The old passed away. Why? So something new has come. So not only, not only have we spiritually and mystically and, and in reality died with Christ, we have also spiritually and mystically and in reality been raised with Christ to live in a brand new way. See, it is Christ in us who's the hope of glory. We have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer us who live but Christ who lives in us so that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, we can do all for the glory of God. See, so what Paul has shown us is our union with Christ and his death frees us from the power and penalty of sin. And our union with Christ and his resurrection allows us to live in a brand new way. Now, let's look at point three, then, which is our last point of the day. That our union with Christ means that we can serve Christ And not our sin. So I want you to just think for a moment the impact that this has in your daily walk of life. 
So the moment you go to work tomorrow morning and you encounter that irritating coworker, it's going to happen. The moment you go back home today, maybe to look over your bills and you realize, oh my word, we're at July the 10th and there's not nearly enough money as there is month. Right? Or tomorrow or this afternoon, you open your Apple news feed and you read all the discouraging news that you're going to read and you begin to respond in some particular way. Think about this, the daily impact this has for you, because that's where Paul goes in the text. Notice how Paul talks about the truth of this being applied and the solution to the question, should we keep on sinning? Paul's answer is no, you don't keep on sinning. Rather, look at verses 11 through 13. So now, because of our union with Christ and his death and our union with Christ and his resurrection, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12 Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been, have been brought from death to life and your members as God's instruments, as instruments of, for righteousness. See, these verses tell us the reality daily of what Christ's death and resurrection does for us who are united with Christ. We can consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus because we are. We don't have to let sin reign in our mortal bodies or obey its passions anymore because our old man was crucified and buried with Christ and something new has been raised. We can present our bodies to God as those who have been, who have died and were buried and were raised to live in a brand new way because that's who we are. These are not subjective based on how you felt this morning when you got up. These are based on the objective truth that Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago. He rose again 2,000 years ago, and he's seated right now at God's right hand. And what Paul is saying is that 2,000 years ago objective fact, if you are a child of God, you are united with that 2,000-year-ago event that affects you daily, presently, right now. John Piper rightly said it this way. These verses are telling us to become in practice what we are in Christ, dead to sin and alive to God. Now, here's Paul's point. Because we have died with Christ and we've been raised to live in a brand new way with Christ, we don't have to keep on sinning anymore. Because so that grace might keep coming our way, right? We don't have to. We don't have to give sin an opportunity, so maybe we'll just get more grace from God. Instead, what Paul is saying is this. We are empowered and we are motivated by God's grace to not let sin reign over us anymore. We are no longer dominated by sinful patterns or enslaved by sinful bondage, and we are no longer under sinful condemnation. We are under a whole brand new master. We're no longer under law, we're under grace, which is what verse 14 tells us. Sin no longer dominates you as a Christian because you're no longer under the rule of law, which demands your perfect performance. You're rather under the law and rule of grace, which is dependent upon Christ's performance and power to free you from any sinful pattern you might have in your life. 
R.C. Sproul wrote it this way. The only way we can have any assurance of salvation is by looking at grace, not at our performance or our achievements. So Christian, listen, you don't have to give in to your pride, your anger, your selfish ambition, your false assumptions, your greed. You don't have to look at that immoral website. You don't have to obey your selfish ambition when it calls because you are, you are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection in your daily struggle against the, the presence of sin. And listen, if you're not a Christian, that Romans six is why you feel so trapped. It's because you are, you are trapped. There is freedom in Christ, freedom from the enslavement of your sin, freedom from the guilt and shame and condemnation before God and others that you feel because it's real. Freedom from the persistent feeling that you're not right with God. You can be free in Christ. So if you're not a child of God, turn to Christ. And Christian, listen, this morning, you don't have to keep living the same old way. Because according to Romans 6, which is objective truth, You are united with Christ in his death, and your old sinful man has been crucified. And you have been raised with Christ in his resurrection to live in a brand new way by the power of God and the power of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, this morning... You know the guilt and shame and struggle that each of your people have in the presence with the presence of sin. Would you help us to see the reality of our union with Christ in his death and in his resurrection? Would you help us to see that there's power today? That we don't have to get angry with our spouses. That we don't have to rebel against our parents. That we can give into Christ and the grace of God rather than giving into our sin. And I pray for our friends here that don't know Christ. Would you help them today to see the reality that they are enslaved by sin? They have no power to overcome sin without Christ. They have no power to overcome the judgment that is coming for them outside of Christ. And I pray that you'd give them open eyes and open hearts to believe and be transformed by the power of Christ, to be truly united with Jesus. Father, we thank you for the truth that you have given us in your word today. This is one of those deep, mysterious real spiritual things that when we apply it to our souls, we will find greater freedom than we've ever walked in before. So help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been proudly given in response to cherishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to watch all our sermons online. For more information about Covenant Life Fellowship, visit us on the web at www.clfroseburg.com.